Good morning, church. Do you ever have something happen to you that is so far out of any other experience you've ever had in your life that you just don't know what to do? Ever had one of those? I had one this morning. Um, right up here on the front row, um, that gal that was here said she had to leave, told me this morning that she's an angel and that she was sent by the Lord and she's traveling around from church to church and um, asked me if I had any questions that she could answer any, probably any question that I had. I didn't ask any questions. I was sort of caught off guard. But you know, I, initially, I think in my mind, I probably dismissed it. Well, this person's just not, you know, a couple crayons short of a full box, right? I mean, seriously, just to be honest. But what if? What in my mind makes me determine that there's no way that could be a real thing? When in history and in the Bible, we see angels interacting with people often. And it was completely out of their experience. They had nothing to say. This, is, this would say that this is a normal thing. And I mean, we are talking in the book of Acts, right? We started, we, we are seeing everything brand new. The people in Israel is seeing everything brand new, right? Jesus ascends and disappears into heaven. They've not seen that before. How do they explain that? What do we say about that? Uh, last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit coming. I mean, literally came for the first time, landed on people, filled people. And what did, they, what, what did they do? They proclaimed the gospel in completely other languages than the languages that they knew. Totally out of their experience. And there were people that day that said, oh, those guys are drunk. Right? Trying to figure... And part of me is like, well, how could you say that a drunk person would get smarter? I just don't get that. But, you know, whatever. They were grasping at straws. Right? So all too often, possibly even, we take things in our own lives that God has superintended, that he's moved in a way, and we find practical and rational explanations for them. When in reality, they were a physical, spiritual manifestation of the Holy Spirit or the work of God, or possibly, you know, I always thought that we would entertain angels unaware, not necessarily know that it happened. But, I mean, again... Until I could see or find further evidence that says that that's not true, I need to just maybe step back and say, well, what are the possibilities? What? Again, um, th- obviously this isn't in my notes. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> what are the chances that some person would just show up randomly in the middle of the book of Acts? Now, I'm not... I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying, I think what this little experience of mine this morning has done is to say, hey, you know what, before you judge any situation, you need to step back, you need to pray about it, you need to seek truth. Is this possible? Is God acting? Is he? I don't know. I don't know. I just, and I don't even know what, you know, she was saying on her way out, but, um, interesting just interesting to me. Um, 
again, the first person that, that told me that they had an interaction with her this morning was like, I just, she's really nice. I just wanted to let you know. And of course, immediately I'm thinking, wow, great. Right? Seriously. How, how spiritual of me. Um, to be in the middle of a book where we are looking at supernatural things and, and saying that they were real, they really happened, yet for whatever reason in my own personal life, I'm unwilling to accept the supernatural or the possibility of, of the supernatural coming face to face with it. I, the first four words of my notes is, well, miracles never cease. It's right there in black and white. Have you, ever ha- have you ever heard someone say that? Have you ever said that yourself? Right? It, usually we say that, you know, when something crazy happens or, or, you know, and we're kind of joking about it. But in reality, miracles haven't ceased. Miracles still occurred. Um, you know, what, what was being communicated when you said, well, miracles never cease? Amazement? Awestruckness? Um, surprise? Um, miracles still happen? Well, I guess they didn't cease. Yes, they still happen. But, but when we see miracles today, we may be just as surprised as in the days when they saw them in the early church. This is all, this is all brand new. Christianity has not even, when, in the chapter that we're in, is just now beginning to explode across, uh, across the, uh, the Holy Land. Um, and today we con- continue in the series of, of Acts, uh, the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Acts of the, the Apostles and the Disciples of the early church, and we're learning that this pre-Christian era in which the disciples lived, we are actually kind of living in today, in, in that the culture was about in the same place. We're kind of post-Christian, uh, you know, we can, I think we can run into people on our planet, in our country, maybe even in our county, who've never honestly heard the name of Jesus. Nobody has spoken it to them. They've never heard it. They've never heard it in any other way than maybe as a swear word. So what do we do? What can we learn from the early church? And apply it to our own personal lives here today. So far we've seen several firsts. And I mentioned them. Jesus ascends into heaven. That's a first. Disciples obeyed and they waited in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised. That in some ways is a first. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. That's a first. The apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a first. Like wind and like tongues of fire, the disciples testify to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that salvation comes only through him. And they are proclaiming this boldly with, with authority. That's a first. And then as followers of Jesus, they, they lived devoted lives. God added 3,000 to their number the first day and he added day after day after day after day. People who were surrendering to the truth. The universe was different. And today we see another first. Um, I I called it the first miracle. It's not really the first miracle. Jesus did lots of miracles. But it's the first miracle that that the disciples performed, at least after Jesus ascended into heaven. And and there's four ways in which we can understand this miracle. I want to think about this whole situation. In fact, it it applies to, to all miracles, I think. This miracle... We're going to look at today points upward, forward, inward, and downward. Those are the four things that we're going to look at today. And in a day when there is so much suffering, 
I mean, you can't, you can't go 10 minutes without hearing about it or seeing it on the news or, or talking to a friend who is in the middle of it, the deepest, darkest uh, consequences of sin um, and, and the relationship between sin and suffering. We experience those things on a, on a daily basis and the terrible and horrible effects of those things. And, and we're going to see today, I think, how, how these miracles point us in a direction that, that will lead us out of that sin. So let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. Turn with me, if you haven't yet, to Acts chapter 3. If you, haven't, um, if you didn't bring a Bible or you don't own one, grab one from underneath the seat. Um, if, if you kind of open your Bible at, at two-thirds with a third at the end, um, you'll, you'll probably land in one of the Gospels, Matthew, then um, Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John, and then there's the book of Acts. I apologize, I didn't look up a, a number, a page number for you, if you're not familiar with the Bible. Acts chapter 3, let's begin. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. Uh, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you, can, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus." Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. 
Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The word of the Lord. Now, the first thing that, the, that, that this miracle does is it points upward. It points upward. It could have been tempting to the disciples, as it would be to someone in our culture today, to draw attention to themselves and say, hey, man, look what, look what we're doing. I mean, today there would be... There, seriously, you've seen the things, the differences between a, a wedding proposal you know, 20 years ago and a wedding proposal today. It's all like made for movie and video and YouTube and all of that. And everybody's goal is to, to self-promote themselves and their relationship and get as many hits as they can. Perfect opportunity for the disciples to get as many hits as they can and make a name for themselves. But that's not what they did. They pointed to Jesus from the beginning. It's not us, they said. It's not us. They didn't somehow rationalize this. They knew, they knew exactly where the power came from for them to heal that man. It wasn't them that healed him. Um, our healing, whether it be physical or emotional or psychological, uh, or getting over grief, for sure spiritual, it comes from Jesus Christ, not from ourselves. It doesn't come from our friends. It doesn't come from our pastors and our elders. If we would have them come and pray for us, pray over us, and we're healed from something, it's not them. It's Jesus Christ. We always have to point upward. We need to point upward to God. And Peter and John made sure that the credit went exactly where it was due. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. It's from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. We can trust him. We can trust him. He is good. And as we live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, we must remember to continually point upward because it's a temptation. You know, it's a temptation to just not even say anything and let people talk, right? Not correct them. You know, in everything that we do, we need to point upward. In worship, in response, in recognition of Jesus working in our midst, it can't be about, it can't be about us. We've got to point to him. We've got to point to him. We've got to point to him. And Peter and John were quick to communicate this, as we should be as well. Miracles, which includes the work of the Holy Spirit, point upward. They also point forward. It's interesting to me that this lame man, I mean, I, I would... I would probably do the same thing, but, but uh, Luke, as he's writing the book of Acts, is specific to point out that this lame man leaped up. He didn't just stand up. He didn't just, you know, hey, help me up, and he, he stood up. He, he leaped up off of the ground, it says. And, and I, I think it's in there specifically, and I bet people that are watching this, that Isaiah 35, 5, and 6 came to their mind immediately. It was a prophecy, and it said this, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, 
And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That's exactly what's happening here. That is exactly what happens. And Peter's sermon to the people makes sure, again, that they have this in context. This is the power of Jesus Christ. It's by him that this has happened. He is the one that is doing the healing. They point upward, and then they remind them that this has been prophesied about all along. All along. We knew this was coming. And, and, and sometimes, and in this case, they knew it was coming, yet they, they wouldn't admit that it was here. Many of their leaders tried to, to rationalize it away. But Peter's sermon points it out very clearly. And he's really not very politically correct, is he? I mean, he just lays it all out there. You guys killed him. And then he kind of backs off and he's like, okay, yes, that's what happened. Your leaders, you guys, that's what you did. But it was by the purpose of God. He is the one that foretold this to happen. And he is the one that caused it to happen. But there is this forward looking from, from the very beginning. And the forward looking doesn't end there. It doesn't end in Acts. We continue to look forward from this day. In verse 21, it says that heaven must receive him until the time comes. There's going to be a time when Jesus returns. could be this generation. It could be in ten generations. We don't know. What we need to do is we need to be ready right now. Because not only um, do we need to be ready for when he comes, but we need to be ready for when our end is here. Which could possibly be before he comes. I mean, we don't know. He's going to restore everything. I cannot wait. Till he restores everything. Because there is just some days, and I know that some, t- some of you are feeling this way too, where you just wish the crud of sin could just disappear and go away. It causes so much pain. And, and before we point to, at others with hyper, super spiritual indignation, we've got to realize that, you know what? I'm a sinner too. I make terrible decisions as well. Um, but, but we look forward to this day, being ready ourselves first, and then, and then taking the time to help others be ready as well, proclaiming this good news, which it is. He could come at any time. It could be today. Wow, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to be sitting in church and hear this really loud trumpet? I tell you, goosebumps would be happening we would be going, wow, the railroad put some big horns on that one, didn't they? I mean, we, again, we would try to rationalize it at first, come up with some sort of natural explanation, but realizing that it was his return. I can't wait. I, it would be great if that happened in, in my generation. But everything is going to be restored. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who have been saved through him, will finally com- be complete heirs to the kingdom. They will be present According to God's covenant. Upward, forward, number three is the miracle points inward. Now, isn't it interesting to me that the disciples don't just give the man what he wants? He's begging for money. He wants them to give him money. That's what he wants. In fact, it seems that he's been doing this for years and years and years. And I don't know if maybe early on in his childhood or somewhere in his teens, he was like, God, I would really like to be healed of this. I would really not like to be lame. But sometime he resigned himself to the fact that, that 
that he was going to die lame. And, and he's now sort of got the mindset of now, I, well, I can't work to support my family, so I'm just going to beg for, for money so I can support myself and my family. That's where he's at. He has, he has stopped looking for the divine and is now just relying on the material. But Peter and John are, are not having any of it. They, they come up to him, um, and Peter's like, hey, I mean, because he's probably begging, he, he's probably not looking at anybody, and, and Peter's talking to him, and then like Peter's like, hey, I'm talking to you. So the guy looks at him, and, and Peter's like, you know what, I don't have money for you, and I'm sure maybe there was a moment of disappointment in the guy's mind, because he's like, well, that's kind of what I want from you. And Peter says, in essence, I got something better. And he, he, he reaches down and he says, walk. Walk. And, and he does. Um, I want to flash back to another lame man who had an encounter with Jesus. And I want to summarize first. Here, here we have Jesus. He's teaching the people. They're in a house. Um, there's all kinds of people there. The Pharisees are there listening and, and, and what's going on. And there are these men that have this friend who's paralyzed. And they're like, if we can just get him to Jesus, he will heal him. In, in their mind, they're thinking, he will make him walk again. Focusing on the physical. Right? So this is what happens. They lower the mat down into the house, and he's laying there before Jesus. In, in verse 19 and 20 of Luke chapter 5, uh, when they could find, not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof, they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is what he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. What do you think that friend thought in that moment? Woohoo. Thank you. That's not why I'm here. How often does that happen in your life and in mine, where we get so focused on the physical and the emotional and the material that we forget that the number one most important thing in all of the planet is our spiritual? It doesn't matter that you and I don't have cancer or that you and I aren't going to die tomorrow or that you and I don't suffer for a long period of time with some physical um, disability or, or something. That's, yes, that's real and I understand that and it's very important, but that's not the most important. The most important is that our soul has been restored through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus points that out right here. He, it's the first thing on Jesus' mind, friend. It's your sin. See, You see, Jesus looks deeper into your life and into mine. All that other stuff, it's kind of surface. It's, 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 it's not kingdom stuff. It's the other things stuff. And it's so easy for us to get, to get tunnel vision and tied into those things. We put all of our wants and all of our needs in the physical and emotional and psychological and socioeconomic categories that we forget about the spiritual. And that's number one. It's got to be number one. Jesus makes it clear here that the condition and state of our heart and soul, that's what's most important. And, and then, of course, he goes on, because the Pharisees are thinking in their heart, this guy is a charlatan. He's claiming to be God. Who can forgive sins other than God? 
And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And he says, all right, so which is, it, which is harder? To say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? And of course, the answer to that in our minds is get up and walk. Although for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven, he went through a great deal of suffering for that to happen, for that to be a possibility. But Jesus does. He says, because I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, I am God. He says to the paralyzed man in verse 25, 24, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately the man stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed, and everyone praised God. And the Pharisees turned all of their lives over to Jesus, and it was all over. No, that's not what they did. There were lots of people that were amazed. There were lots of people that were amazed. And they, and they believed, and they probably followed Jesus faithfully. But for whatever reason, even when... Because there are those people that would say, you know, if I could just see it. I, I thought those words this morning. Okay, um, this gal says that she's an angel. Maybe she could flash some light or something. And then I would know for sure, right? Um, but, but would I really believe it? I mean, I like to think I would. That's something that's pretty supernatural, and we didn't have any smoke and mirrors set up this morning for this effect. But there are people every day who say, well, if God just showed himself to me, if he just did something powerful, then I would believe. But it's often not true. It's, it's often not true. They find other reasons. It's, it's just that they don't want to believe. And that's what happened here. But you see, Jesus had, has the power to do it all. Heal. Control the weather. He had the authority. Why? Because he's God. And he still does. But we must maintain a proper perspective on this inward part for ourselves and everyone around us. It's, it's key. What is the condition of your soul? Consider that. You, you have to. Because none of us are guaranteed another breath. What is the condition of your soul? Have you surrendered it to Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered it to him? Maybe, may we all hear the word of the Lord this morning and obey it and believe. Jesus walked the earth just as Peter said. He was crucified. He rose again. He he. he Hundreds of people bore witness to his presence in his life after death. And they have written it down for us and we proclaim it today. Have you confessed with your heart and believed? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord? And that confession and then that repentance as we're in a relationship with him really becomes an everyday thing. Because all of us, we've seen people make decisions that we just go, how did you get there? How did you get there? It's, the battle is very real. The battle against sin, the battle against suffering, it's real and we cannot let our guard down. Upward, forward, inward, and then the miracle points downward. The miracle points downward, and, and this is what I mean about downward. You see, it's really... Downward it refers to sacrifice and knowing that, that 
that when we do good and that when we proclaim good news, that, that we really put ourselves in a position of weakness. Um, you see, when, when miracles were performed, even by Jesus himself, great things always didn't follow. You know, Jesus is accused often of, of being Satan himself, which, again, the logic doesn't fit. Why would Satan cast his own self and his own demons out of people? That makes no sense. Jesus, Jesus was like, think about what you're saying. But, but Jesus performs miracles, and they wanted to stone him. The disciples, they do this miracle. What happens in chapter 4? We're going to look at that next week. They're in jail. Because they did this thing. So when we, we need to expect it. We need to, I don't, and I don't want to say look forward to it as in we're hoping it will happen. But we need to be ready and understand that it's just going to happen. When, when we proclaim the good news about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't put us in a place of authority. It puts us in a place of, of weakness. Now, us, ourselves, that, and, and Jesus is the ultimate, answer, uh, ultimate example of that. What sort of weak position did he put himself in when he came here as a human being? I mean, we put ourselves in a weak position when we surrender and we repent. You know, that's why we don't share with other people the problems and the struggles that we have. Because it puts us in a weaker position. It, it's almost like, oh, you know, they're going to think they're better than me. Well, you know what? Maybe they, they do. And in that, if that's the case, then maybe we ought to be looking for different friends. Um, but one of the reasons why we sort of play into Satan's hand is when we start get tempted in an area, we, we think that somehow we can hide that, and it's only going to affect me. Um, it's only going to be bad for me, and we convince ourselves of this. And it's very real. It's very real. And, and, and we need to be willing to even go to other people and say, dude, man, I am really struggling with this. It is eating my lunch. I need you to pray for me. I need to, you to help me with this. And what that does is it puts us in a weak position. But it's a good position. Because ultimately what we need to see is that our spiritual healing is more important than anything else, than any fulfilling of, 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 of selfish desire or whatever. We need to say no to that temptation. The ultimate miracle, of course, the most life-changing miracle of all, the most incredible miracle to ever occur in the universe was the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Was, was Jesus coming here as a man? I mean, when Jesus came, he became subject to all human states. Hunger, exhaustion, sadness. It made him spearable. It made him nailable. And it happened. For you and for me. Man. And because of that, we're able to be reconciled once again to God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. This was his mission, and he completed it. And when we put ourselves in a weak position, and we surrender and we repent, we receive salvation and we receive the Holy Spirit, just as God had promised. And then our mission is to live for him, and as we do, point others to Jesus That'll be difficult, it will be hard sometimes, but as we see in point three, the physical and mental aspects of our lives really aren't the most important. 
You know, I mean, we call it a lifetime, which it is, um, but we need to put that lifetime in perspective to eternity. 50, 60, 80, 90 years is a freckle. It's a blip on the screen of eternity. Our soul, the condition of our neighbor's soul, is more important. So let's take risks. Let's take risks. Let's, let's invite that friend to church or to Bible study. Or let's ask if we can pray for someone. Let's, let's, let's be planting seeds. I've, I've heard testimony after testimony just in the last week of people planting seeds. God will water those seeds and they will grow. They will. They will grow. Let's love others. Let's point to Jesus, even though it may be the weaker posture at times, the Holy Spirit will do great work. So all the miracles actually do the same thing. Um, they point upward. Uh, they, they teach us that we can trust the God, that the gospel is from Jesus Christ. They point forward. Um, we must be an enemy of suffering in the world because we're on the winning side, and it's going to be difficult sometimes, but... God is against sin. We need to be as well. They point inward. They, they show us what our needs are, how we are failing, the decisions that we need to change. And we need to be obedient. We need to deal with sin. Don't just get comfortable with it because if you get comfortable with it, it will take you further and deeper than you ever thought it could. And then it pointed inward. See what we really need. What we really need is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need our sins to be forgiven, and that's the only way for that to occur. We need to deal with our sin. It, it, and, and that's more that's a more immediate need than, than our suffering. It really is. It, it's hard for us to get past that suffering. Um, my prayer is that the power of the Holy Spirit will get us past that. And lastly, downward. Look at what Jesus Christ did for you. Look at the weak position he put himself in. Look how he came to serve us, not to be served, and became the ultimate sacrifice. Let's put our faith and trust in him as our Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have taught us this morning. And Father, I, I pray that that, that we would that we would seek you father help us to to not make life about ourselves help us to understand how we can wherever we are in our journey with you point upward father i pray that 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 you would help us to see that that prophecy for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, hundreds of years pointed to your coming and your death and your resurrection and how that occurred. And we can trust that and believe in that. Help us, Father, this morning, wherever we are, to, to be sure that we have, we have surrendered our life before you. Call on each one of us. Draw us to you. And Father, I pray that, that we would be willing to, 
to, to go downward, that we would be willing to surrender our whatever, our reputation, our things, our very life, to bring the good news of the gospel to people that don't know, haven't heard, so that they might believe and they too might be saved. Thank you. What a privilege, what a gift it is to be a child of yours. And Lord, now we want to stand and we want to praise your name as we sing this last song. And as we go out through these doors and we bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen.